Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Daniel Roney, and we are discussing a little bit of a broader topic this week on men's health, as it's Men's Health Month. So we cover some of the main health concerns that men face, some of the main concerns that Dr. Roney sees his patients dealing with after 20, 30 years in the business and some of the main roadblocks that he notices his patients come up against. As well as we also touch on what are some of the additional yearly tests and checks he recommends men doing in addition to just the yearly blood tests. He adds on some extra blood tests and panels that he think would be really helpful for men to be doing on a yearly basis. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Daniel Roney. Dr. Roney, welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Yeah, great to be here as always. So today we're having, we're discussing a little bit of a broader topic. It's officially Men's Health Month. Mm -hmm. So we are doing a podcast on men's health. And I wanted to start off with what are some of the top health concerns for men that you're seeing specifically? I know all of us can go Google top health concerns for men, but what is it that you sort of are experiencing most here at the center and just throughout your career? Yeah, I think um, the number one thing I see uh, is a testosterone issue, right? We see that, and testosterone could lead to many different symptoms and health concerns. So we see that one for sure, and we'll touch on that because, mm-hmm. you know, don't have to get into it too early. But when somebody's low on testosterone, uh, they're going to have fatigue, they're going to have libido issues, they're going to have erectile issues, they're going to have low motivation, probably losing uh, muscle and gaining more fat lethargy, right? They're just Mm -hmm. not going to have that oomph that they used to have. And one of the things that we see with that is it's when, if they have low testosterone, for example, it's not a primary problem, meaning their testosterone isn't low just because there's metabolic dysfunction that's going to create that. So we'll, we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll get in on into that for sure. And then blood sugar issues are becoming more and more common, right? Uh, They'll they'll use the term insulin resistance or type two diabetes. You know, heart disease is certainly a a factor. Prostate issues uh, we'll see in males. They're probably the top four, hypertension, you know, high blood pressure, things like that. 
um, are probably the top four or five that mm -hmm. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's dive into each of those because exactly, even as you were talking about that, the first thing that's coming to my mind is, okay, so women, we deal with a lot of you know, estrogen dominance or mm -hmm. low estrogen, but exactly as you said, there usually is a root cause. Absolutely. There's something else not working or we're overburdening the system. So what is going on with low testosterone? Yeah, yeah good, good question. So one of the things we want to look at when we do a history is do they have high elevated blood sugar, right? Do they have adrenal stress? Are they stressed out? Do they have you know, uh, some of these metabolic dysfunctions that could create it. So when we look at a lab, for example, we want to look at their testosterone levels, but I also want to look at these ancillary issues that could be going on that could be causing the, the testosterone to be low. So it was, it was taught to me years ago that a male's gonads, which produce the testosterone, don't just stop producing it. Mm -hmm. Now, we definitely get lower as we age, but it's not low enough to where it should be significantly noticeable, mm, right? Okay. That's that's a big concept that was taught where I, I think we just think, oh, well, we're going to lose all this stuff and we're going to age and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's not really how it's supposed to be. We can maintain healthy levels. Now, again, they're going to dip, but it's not a significant dip. So maybe at 30, they look a certain way and 40, a minor and 50, a even a little bit more and 60 and 70, but not falling off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. So, so these metabolic dysfunctions, I'll, I'll explain one of them. So say I have elevated blood sugar, okay? Elevated blood sugar is going to cause an elevation in something called aromatase, right? Aromatase is an enzyme that converts testosterone into estrogen. So if I'm getting if I have low testosterone, but I've elevated estrogen, mm -hmm. and again, on a lab, I see glucose as being an issue, that's the cause. So really, I can give somebody testosterone, and that could band-aid the problem, but it's not going to fix it, nor will they feel significantly better because they have an underlying metabolic condition that's causing the aromatase, mm -hmm. right, to convert into estrogen. So the, the testosterone can only do so much, right? So if, if we want to correct that, we, first we understand it, we could test for it, and then we start working on the main cause, which is the blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So that gets into diet and, of course, exercise and intermittent fasting and even some things that we could do to help the, the cell uh, become less resistant, you know, your berberines and, and different mm -hmm. supplements that could help. But that's just an example of one cause that's often overlooked. So in this, in this alternative world, there's two steps to it. One, somebody will say, well, I'm doing alternative medicine because I'm given natural testosterone, mm -hmm. right? That's great, but that's still not much different than, than in the conventional model where they give yeah. you a Band-Aid. There's just less side effects, There's, but it's still a Band-Aid. It's still a Band-Aid. So the next step in the process is again, to figure out why the testosterone is low. So that's one example. If we have stress, right? Stress will create a problem with insulin as well, which then will cause the testosterone issue. We could have, and then the other part of that stress is the brain um, area called the, the pituitary, it's called the hypothalamic pituitary response, but the pituitary gland will get affected and no longer respond to low levels of testosterone. So we could test that as well. There's, there's a lab value called FSH and LH, which are produced from the pituitary as a response to low or high levels of testosterone. So if I'm low, the pituitary should increase LH, luteinizing hormone, which would increase my testosterone. But if I have a lot of stress, that area of the brain's not gonna work as well, and it's gonna short circuit. So if I'm low on testosterone, I won't get that 
regulation to up it via the pituitary. So that's that's a whole other concept, mm-hmm. right, of causes. So they're just two examples. But the, I think the main point I want to make is that if somebody's low on testosterone, it's rarely a primary problem. Mm-hmm. It's almost always a secondary problem, but it's often not looked at as such. Uh-huh. And it's, is it, because I know for women, testosterone, or excuse me, estrogen, they're usually taking in some kind of capsule yeah. or a pill form. Is it the same for men? As far as uh, for, for taking testosterone? it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I prefer, there's pellets, there's injections, okay. uh, but honestly, I prefer creams. Okay. And the reason I do is because you can control the amount. If you get a, a pellet, a pellet's going to be put under the skin and usually over a course of a month. So it's not like it's a steady release. You know, you can't control the dosing of it. Mm. And some days you might need more than others or less than others. So same thing with an injection. You're going to get a surge of it in the beginning of the, when the injection's done. And then towards the last week or two of the injection, you're going to have, you're going to have lower levels. So it's, it's kind of too much for me personally, an ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. A cream, you can control the dose day in and day out. And, and I think that's a better, um, I, I think a better, um, you know, delivery method uh-huh. personally. Uh-huh. That's just a personal opinion. And for you, it's sort of like maybe we start with this just to get you at a functional level. Yeah. And then while we continue to work on the root causes so that ideally we're not using any of it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so if we look at somebody and they're having a lot of those symptoms and I've identified the causes, I think in, in medicine in general, it was designed as a stopgap, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, let's get you on it to get you out of a crisis. A, for us, all right, let me, have, let me allow you to feel better. Because short term, the patients come in, that's what they want. They want to feel better. Long term, my objective is to heal them, right? Mm-hmm. Or our objective here at the clinic is to heal them. So we can do a short term, hey, we'll give you natural bioidentical testosterone or estrogen or progesterone or what have you. And then we'll fix the causes as long as I know where to look for them and then we identify them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you either need less or none. Yeah. That's an ideal scenario. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. We already touched on blood sugar a little bit. Yeah. This might not be new to people just because of the common right. <laughs> standard American diet, unfortunately. Sure. Sure. But let's touch on it a little bit just in case. Oh, yeah, for sure. So so the main thing that we'll see, um, and again, it comes back to uh, diet, right? So we need, when we ha- when we see blood sugar elevations, we need to make sure that we're cutting the sugars out, right? In our society, grains are probably the majority of consumption of sugar, believe it or not, right? right? So grains convert into sugar. So breads and pastas and you know cakes and cookies and crackers mm-hmm. and bagels and things like that, they're, they're all going to convert to sugar and most people may not realize that. So are potatoes, so are you know, these high starchy rices and things like that, Will. And they're a big part of our diet. So we recommend a paleo-like concept where you do a good amount of fat, healthy protein, and lower carbs. And the carbs are more fruit and vegetable-based with some of the complex carbs, like sweet potatoes here and there, and maybe some rice and quinoa and things like that. But it's, it's more based on that farm-to-table mm-hmm. and or if I'm on a deserted island, what could you eat? Mm-hmm. You could pick it or chase it. That, that right there is a good check and balance. So you go, okay, if, if I want to get my, if I want to be healthier, number one, we've got to keep inflammation down. That's another cause of low testosterone. If my body's inflamed, 
my testes could be inflamed and they're not going to create as mm -hmm. much uh, testosterone as well. So I think the diet is one of the biggest things across the board that I would, I would tell any male and or female, right? Any person living is, is critical to overcoming um, any metabolic mm. dysfunction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and then what about hypertension? Yeah, yeah, so hypertension typically, there's a lot of factors there. Hormones play a big factor in hypertension for sure. Cortisol can be a biggie uh, in that. Blood sugar elevations can be a biggie in that. If somebody has kidney issues or their hearts, right? Say their hearts, um, we're, we're starting to see sclerosis or atherosclerosis in the arteries. It's kind of like if I put a, if I had a hose and I stepped on the hose, there's gonna be more pressure mm. build up in that hose, right? So that's what will happen. The heart's gonna have to work harder if the blood's not flowing as well. That's probably one of the top reasons for it. So again, it's, it's one of those things when we have, as an example, to get into this one, if we have elevated blood sugar, blood sugar has to get stored somewhere, right? If it's not getting into the cell for energy, it gets stored. It gets stored as triglycerides and fat, right? that fat gets stored or that glucose will get stored in the arteries of your heart. Mm. So, so we think fats are the number one cause of heart disease. It's totally a misnomer. Blood sugar elevation is the number one cause of heart disease and stroke because that fat has to, or that glucose has to get laid down. It get laid, gets laid down as fat and it gets laid down in the arteries. Mm. So now we have hypertension and we have, you know, uh, you know, an increased risk for stroke and things like that too. Yeah. So, so it sounds like really some of the two main culprits of a lot of men's issues, and this is probably true Across for the board, yeah, right. female yep. and men, but it's stress and diet, really. Oh, stress no question. and blood sugar issues. It, it always comes back to some basic principles. Uh, and that's, so, you know, I tell everybody, you know, when I'm talking to them, especially males, I am a healthcare provider, but, but I'm also a patient, right? So yeah. a lot of these things we're talking about, I've learned over the years and personally have implemented them, right? And then, I know we talk a lot about this, but the athletes that I work with, right? So if we think of this concept, they're looking for optimal performance, right? Every day on the field, whatever they can do to get back to 100%. I always use Tom Brady as an mm -hmm. example because it's a, good, it's a good example at 44, he's still crushing the NFL, yeah. right? There's a formula as to why he's doing that, right? He eats really, really healthy. So his inflammation is down. His body is well-nourished, right? Number two, he takes anti-inflammatory supplements. So, so he's taking the curcumins and the turmerics uh, and the uh, resveratrols and vitamin Ds and omegas and glutathiones and things like that that are proven to keep inflammation down. His workouts are designed for lengthening and pliability, mm -hmm. right? So, so his tissues, he's not like bulked up. He just moves well, right? And, and if he gets hit, he has pliability and flexibility and mobility. And then the fourth thing he does well is he recovers well. So he does things to recover. Well, why can't we follow a similar path, right? It doesn't mean we have to be as aggressive with it, but we can eat right, we can move right, we can recover right, we mm -hmm. can take the right supplements. And with that concept, We've talked about this before. There's this common concept that, well, it's just normal aging. I'm just getting older. It's the way it should be. <laughs> that is absolutely, you know, I'll use the term hogwash, right? Th there's no such thing. 
normal is what Tom Brady's doing, mm-hmm. right? You're 44. If he stays on that path at 54, he'll look almost as good as 44. <laughs> yeah. And then at 64, he'll look probably 44, right? His chronological age is one thing, but his biological age is another. We've just gotten accustomed and males are, you know, we talked about this before the podcast, are a little stubborn in the sense, and my dad was like that, right? He's just that old school, hard nose, I'm fine, mm-hmm. you know, until there's a major crisis and then he regrets everything he didn't do, right? And that's a big deal. So, so when, you, when we're looking at males and, you know, we, again, we talked a little bit about this, they're just more stubborn. I mean, our main downstairs, 35 to 65 year old female is our main demographic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because they're more willing to do things for their health. They're more willing to act where males are like, I'm fine. I'll be, I'll be okay. Yeah. Right. But I think the biggest thing that I would like to articulate is that we just get into this thing of thinking, well, it's supposed to be this way. I'm supposed to get sore and achy and lethargic and, you know, uh, joints are stiff and on all these different things, but it's just not, it's not true. It's common, but it's not normal. Yeah. And this is honestly something that we are just going to keep repeating and repeating over and over over again because the messaging that the rest of the world is getting is the exact opposite and it takes repetition 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 to remind people no this is not normal we we can step into something so much more yeah yeah i mean you know you're looking at the top meds that are that are prescribed it's for pain you know, it's for diabetes, it's for heart disease, it's for hypertension, it's for low acid t- reflux. Yeah, acid reflux. It's and you're just looking at it like, gosh, these are so preventable. They're they're just not normal to need that stuff. But we're conditioned again to think, well, as I age, you know, the doctors have, have told patients for years, well, Mary or John or Mike, you're you're just getting older. This is this is the way it is. Yeah. Right? It's just it's just now look, they're giving you their truth because that's what they've been taught and that's what they believe and that's what they see every day. Well, what we see every day is the is the facilitation of health. So we see people that are 50, 60, 70 and they're rocking it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're rocking it because they're prov- they're implementing the formula of optimal function. Yeah. That's what they're implementing, you know. Yeah, so and there is a formula. <laughs> there's a, absolutely a, and that's what these podcasts are designed to do is to make sure first and foremost you go, yeah, these things aren't normal. And then number 2, okay, if I have these or what should I be looking out for? What labs are relevant? And then and then what to do about that? When the audience has more knowledge when they talk to their doctor, there can be more of a one-on-one conversation as opposed to the doctor being on the pedestal mm-hmm. and them looking down at you and just telling you what to do. Well, now you can ask questions and you can, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's my big thing. If you're, if you're um, educated or informed enough, you could talk to your doctor. If they're not giving you answers you want, find a different doctor. Yeah. Oh, you know, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So now, and I'm not trying to be stereotypical here, no, but no. when it comes to working with men, yeah. what are some of the roadblocks you run into with them specifically? And again, this is yeah. broadly speaking, sure. of course, we're not trying no, to no, lump no. all no, men I'm into a, one I'm a group. male. I'm a male, so I get it. No, no, no. Like, like I said, the demographics downstairs are 35 to 65 year old women that are very in tuned with their health and willing to act if they have symptoms and signs and things like that. Males in general, I'm not sure if it's just their makeup, right? But they're more stubborn to this fact. They, they, they're like, no, I'm fine. You know, don't worry about me. You know, I'm good. That's, what, that's yeah. really what I get a ton of. 
So, so if, first of all, if you have any mail come into your office right away, you're like, okay, there's something different with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're on a probably a different really, level. Or you're really, really sick. Yeah. Or, or, or they're, they're, um, how would I put it? Um, they better go or they're going to get in trouble at home. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what I get to. So, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. Whatever, whatever gets them in there. So I, I think personally, I look at the shoe on the other foot as I've learned this stuff over the years, it became more valuable to me. So each, you know, course I took, and this is 20 years and each class and each, you know, every day, it's just more resolved to, okay, A, the symptoms that we're seeing and the conditions that we're seeing are not normal, right? And there are exceptions to the rules, right? I want to point that out. I have patients, you know, over the years that have done everything right and still had some type of crisis, but that's, that's the exception. It's not the rule. And I'll have patients will say, well, I had this friend that did it everything right and they still got X, Y, or Z. And they use that almost as justification as to why they're not going to do it. Yeah. And I have to explain to them, look, that's, that's the rarity. The, the rule is if you follow these, this formula, you're going to do really, really well. So I think uh, education is the biggest value builder when it comes to health because that's how I changed my mentality. Mm. I went from that, I'll just work, I, I've always worked out, I've always done, but then you learn this stuff more and more and then you're like, okay, I need to make sure I have my anti-inflammatories. I need to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm eating the right way most of the time. Not 100%, but most of the time. I'm feeding my body jet fuel. You know, I'm keeping the carbs low so the sugars don't feed cancers and, and the sugars don't create diabetes and don't disrupt my testosterone levels, you know, mm-hmm. all, all those different things. And then you're, I'm doing stretching because there's a saying uh, that the brain loves movement, right? It requires movement. As we get shorter and shorter with our tissues and get stiffer and stiffer, we move less. That's not good. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest detriments, you know, to the human body and to the brain. So long elongation of tissues and pliability and flexibility, huge components in this whole health thing. So again, it's, I think the value comes from education, which is why Mm -hmm. we do these podcasts. If somebody could listen and go, wow, okay, I'm having all these problems, but they're not normal. My doctors tell me here, take, you know, Celebrex and take this and take this diabetes med and all that. And you're okay with that. Okay, fine. But at least we're going to give you you know, the idea that that's not normal. Mm-hmm. There's alternatives that you could do. Yeah. You know? And we can get you somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Are there, so when it comes to different types of changes, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, emotional changes, yeah. what do you find you that you're seeing men specifically have the hardest time implementing? Is it diet? Is it exercise? Yeah. You know what? Um, probably, probably the diet. I have to say, I think personally, that's the the most important place to start Mm. because say somebody, what happens over time in in my experience is that they slowly start to to get tired. They slowly start to lose motivation. They slowly start to put, you know, pounds around their, their midsection and their breast tissue, right? They slowly do these things. Then all of a sudden they don't realize that they're in this like, wow, I'm so different than I was mm-hmm. 10 years ago, simply because it's a, been a slow process, right? They use this, this example of putting a frog in tepid water and then turning up the heat. The frog won't jump out right away, but if you jump, you know, dump a frog in, in hot water yeah. right away, it'll jump out. Well, it, the, because of the slow nature of how this stuff goes, people don't realize that they're, they're just unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so um, t- turning that around 
is a, for me personally, when I'm working with somebody, I need to look at the highest priority of the one thing or two things that I could do that they see positive changes. That might be, I'm going to give you some testosterone and some adrenal support, hypothetically, mm -hmm. because that's going to give them energy fairly quickly on. That energy is going to help their brain. It's going to help their body. Then we could start working on changing the diet and we could start working on exercise. But it's almost hard to will yourself to do something when your biochemistry is not allowing you to 100%. do it. So we really have to be strategic as healthcare practitioners in that, okay, I, I know it's a Band-Aid, but let's do it so you feel better, which will allow you to incorporate the formula to really get healthier. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Sense. So now one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, we all know, get your yearly physical, which yeah. involves like a quick tap on the knee and maybe a blood pressure and you're right. good to go. <laughs> right, right, right. But in general, are there any other tests that specifically you would recommend men be doing on a yearly basis? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the general, uh, you know, panel that you'll get blood-wise is going to be a CBC and a CMP, right? The CBC is your blood count, red blood cells, white blood cells, et cetera, important. Um, your metabolic panel is going to give you your kidney function, your liver function. It's going to give you your um, electrolytes. We want to look at those for sure. But then we want to get into the male hormone panels. I want to look at testosterone free and total. I want to look at DHEA, pregnenolone, FSH, LH, estrogens, total estrogens, estradiol, progesterone. I mean, we want to get pretty thorough there. I want to look at some of their inflammatory markers. I want to look at their thyroid, um, TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, things like that. And again, sometimes this panel will be dependent more or less on symptoms and what you know what the intake form looks like mm. and then i could i could even get more specific you know a1c levels that's your it's called hemoglobin a1c it's a three-month window into your blood sugar right mm. uh, iron ferritin i want to look at how metabolically as much as i can the body's functioning and to see if there are blood sugar issues testosterone issues if there's stress issues etc and then i might also do depending uh, a saliva test for cortisol Right, um, that's a biggie if there if there's major stress in their life or has been, which most people have. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at the cortisol levels and start putting together the pieces as to why they might not feel well or might be unhealthy or whatever. But that's even a good maintenance check. Yeah. Even if they're feeling great, I still want to look at those as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes if their digestive system is really involved, I'll get into stool ecology so I can really look at their bacteria, good bacteria, bad bacteria. If they have you know, issues going on, uh, diarrhea, maybe there's parasites, maybe there's candida, you know, I want to, I want to look at those things as well. Um, and those are probably the main ones that I look at to start. Yeah. And then depending on their symptoms and where they're at, we can go deeper into, gosh, there's major guts tests that could be done. There's, there's infectious based testing like Epstein bars and viruses and bacterias and molds and fungal mm -hmm. infections like candida. I mean, we get heavy metals. We can get into a yeah. lot of things. It just depends on, uh, where, where they are, how severe it is. And then what the initial testing looks like and some of the initial protocols that I put in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I love that you're saying that because it, you know, to me, the yearly checkup that I used to go in for was always a joke. Right, And it right. was sort of like, okay, I'll just do it to put the little check mark in the box. Yeah. But I love, you know, now, especially being here at the center for some time, it's just like, 
absolutely. You know, now I go in every few months to get my F scan and get my gut bacteria checked. Sure, absolutely. You know, so many different things. My hormone panel done because I like to keep really on top of that. And I'm in a healing phase. But it makes so much sense to me that just at a minimum on a yearly basis, we're looking at all of that in depth. Yeah, and symptoms too, right? So I have an intake form that will highlight gut health and it asks maybe 50 questions about your gut and your sensitivities and things like that, liver questions, blood sugar questions, uh, adrenal or stress questions, thyroid, hormones. So really within a couple seconds, I can look at that sheet and go, okay, this is where we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just one thing I thought about for males too, I usually include as they get older, the PSA, which is a prostate specific antigen and the percentage PCA, PSA percentage. So it just gives us a screening tool to see if the prostate's getting involved because hyper hypertrophy of the prostate or or swelling of the prostate uh, tends to get more common. They call it benign uh, prosthetic hypertrophy as, as males get older. So we want to keep an eye on those things. But again, a lot of times that's secondary to poor metabolic function, mm-hmm. right? You keep inflammation down, your body's really clean, you got less sugar going on, you know, your blood's flowing well. Usually that stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. It's usually a secondary byproduct of the inflammatory response. Yeah. So again, inflammation's probably also a big component. Mm-hmm. Number one way you can control that is food. And just to be clear, the yeah. the, horm- the full hormone panel, maybe even the inflammation markers, those yeah. aren't part of a normal yearly blood panel. No, not typically. Typically, it's CBC, CMP. Maybe they'll run a little A1C for the blood sugar or something like that. But yeah, it's typically not. The, the level that we go, I think, or I know I go, but the other doctors here too, go pretty in depth to see. And then here's here's the cool thing. If certain things come up that are positive on that test, it could lead us down other roads to do more testing. That's like your big 30,000 foot view screen. And then, yes, there's a lot of things that we're looking for, but you know, things could go back on that test that that we need to then do further testing. Exactly, because you, you know, it's twofold. Unfortunately, now most people are coming in with a list of symptoms. Sure. But for the person who's just doing a yearly checkup, they're feeling great. It's just a great way to stay on top of it. That's right. Be you to know, check and balance. Try and prevent. Yep. That way, if anything does come up, it yep. probably hasn't been brewing for very long. Right. Right, exactly right. And that's that's uh, that's the wellness maintenance part of it. You know, I had a, a young gentleman last night, he's in his early 30s, just feeling a little tired, a little fatigued. Maybe it's the stress, maybe it's the testosterone, maybe it's... So we're looking at everything. We're looking at his, his iron levels to see if there's anemia. That's a fatigue factor. His thyroid, if it's low, fatigue. His testosterone, if it's off, fatigue, right? His adrenals, if they're off, that could lead to fatigue. So we're just going to look at everything and we'll rule out the biggest things according to the research that could be creating his problems. We're probably going to find it, you know? And then I told him, you know, some simple biohacks, like make sure you do paleo eating, start changing the diet. That's a big, big factor. The way things are processed now, farmed, Gluten or, or grains are always going to be a problem mm. from the way they're manufactured and hybridized as far as the seeds and sprayed with junk. Your body just can only handle so much. So it's a good idea to start thinking about getting rid of those anyway because they're major sugar producers as mm. well. So, you know, we talked about paleo diet. I talked about intermittent fasting and I talked about uh, getting hit training in, which is high intensity, short burst exercise for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. If he could just do those three things, right now 
in between our labs and start getting his mind around those things, we're on a, we're on a good trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, cause my next question was going to be, if you had to give the listeners just one thing they yeah. could start implementing today, what would it be? But you kind of gave us three. <laughs> yeah. I, ga- I gave you three, but the first thing, uh, is because of the way our food supply now is it's way different than it was when you really dive into the biochemistry and you dive into the manufacturing of, of our foods getting more as much as you can of a farm to table mentality right they use the term mediterranean diet or or whatever where they still go to the market every day mm-hmm. they get their meats they get their fish they get their plants they get their whatever and then they eat it there's not a lot of shelf or pantry, not a canned or boxed or things like that. Not saying you can't have those, but you really want to be thinking, all right, good fats in a meal, avocados, good oils, nuts and seeds, you know, things like that. You want your good protein. It could still be meats, right? As long as it's organic, free range, free roaming. That's what I would do personally. And then your lower carbs, like good vegetables, some fruits that are, that are uh, well, really all fruits, just being in moderation, I think would be fine unless there's a diabetes issue. And then uh, maybe some here and there, your, your complex carbs like rice or quinoa or sweet potatoes, even some red potatoes here and there. That's all okay. We mm-hmm. just don't want to overload it with too much inflammatory foods and sugars. Mm-hmm. So you get away from grains and dairy and things you know processed soy products and corn and things like that that's probably the number one thing you could do for your body to increase um health i I, I know it's remedial but that's that's the number one thing yeah when one of the things i say all the time is we have to optimize the things that we're doing or using on a regular basis that's right and we're eating on a very regular basis. That's exactly so that right. has to be optimized. There's just no way around it. Yeah. So if you think, okay, I change my eating, number one, my inflammation's going to go down. So so for males, females, whoever, inflammation is the number one cause or root cause of disease. Mm-hmm. So if we lower our inflammation by our body not attacking these glucose molecules or, you know, or these proteins and dairy and so forth, it's going to help. Two when I cut out grains, I'm going to reduce calories. I will probably drop some pounds, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of it's going to be fat because if I don't have glucose, the body has to have an alternative fuel source. It's going to go for fat. Mm -hmm. So we lose some weight and we get rid of some fat. You know, that fat, that stored fat produces a ton of estrogens and it, it has toxins in it and so forth. So, I mean, just those two benefits of some weight loss and fat reduction and lower inflammation is going to help everything from testosterone to heart disease to blood sugar issues, etc. So you you basically with one strategy can can really turn around a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And then yeah. when that happens, then we can gravitate into. I'm a big fan of step by step process. It's like it's like eating an elephant. They say one bite at a time. I think we get in the mistake here sometimes. We throw so much <laughs> yeah. at them that they have a uh, paralysis by analysis. Mm. It's just too much. So let's tell them up front, hey, changing your health might take six months to a year. So I don't want to set you up or set me up for, for failure due to unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Let's look at this as a step-by-step process. If somebody's 35 having all these issues, let's go in one year if you think by the time you turn 36 and we implement all these strategies slowly, but you're consistent to it and you create good habits, you will make a significant change in six months to a year, right? Yeah. And that's, 
that's what we should have been doing over this COVID time. Mm. We should have been teaching people last February and March about how to take better care of your body. And none of that was mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating that, that our system is, is neglects that totally. And it's vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Well, most people wouldn't need a vaccine if their vitamin D levels were good, their C levels, their zincs, their quercetin, and they ate healthy and they exercised. N not a need. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. been proven, studied and proven. That's what we should be talking about from day one of this COVID thing. Yeah. Just as an example. Yeah. But it reflects on everything, you know. So anyway, that's my little yeah, yeah, soapbox. Yeah. No. <laughs> you're two seconds soapbox. That's, that's right. fair. You can you okay, deserve fair. that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Even, even if you didn't, you're like, whoa, where'd yeah, this yeah. go? <laughs> no, but it's again, and I say this so often, it's one of my favorite things about the center and the clinic is that the educational component is such Huge. a big component. It's never just like here, do this. First of all, here's a Band-Aid or here, go do this. It's like, here, go do this. And here's exactly why you should go do this. But I also love that you're saying, let's set the expectation right. here. Because I think this is something that is so critical. You know, someone will come in with 10, 20 years of illness, right. a list of symptoms longer than their arm. And they're really thinking that within a month or even two months, it's all going to go away. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the expectation of our society is what have you done for me lately and the quick fix, right? So that paradigm here, I personally have to, I like to shift that right away and make sure that we set those expectations properly so they're not upset about the outcomes and, and they're not setting me up for failure, mm -hmm. right? And I had to learn that. That's a thing I had to learn over time. So as long as that's articulated, Right, and, and I'll use a, even the cancer patients that come in, right? Sometimes they'll come in stage three and four. And I let them know personally, look, we're gonna do everything we can, but just so you know, there's no guarantee at this stage. Yeah. Now that's from a conventional standpoint or here. Mm -hmm. However, we're gonna do this, 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 and this, and we are gonna do everything to the best of our ability and hope for the best. But I wanna make sure they know coming in that they're not, we're not their total savior, yeah. right? And, and I think that's important because that's honesty mm -hmm. and that's, that's ethics and morals. And, and those are the things that, that we need to make sure that we articulate to the patient from day one. And if they're in agreement, like I get it, I just want you to help me as much as I can, we're in, yeah. but it's it's the honesty up front, and the same with the with somebody with autoimmunity or testosterone mm -hmm. issues or whatever. Look, you have three or four things going on. It's going to take us a while to get this right, but here's the plan. So I lay out the big plan, and then I say step one is this, step two is this, step three is this. We'll get there. I just don't know how how quickly we can get there. It depends on the person and how aggressive they are with what they can change. Yeah, yeah exactly. All those things matter, but usually six months to a year to turn health around is probably accurate. Yeah. Well, I've heard, I can't remember where I heard it from, but a practitioner was saying for every year that you've been sick, it's equivalent to at least a month of recovery. So if, you know, 10 years, 10 months, but that might even be generous. That's probably, yeah, that's probably <laughs> generous. Yeah, for sure. But it, it's a starting point. Yeah. It's just giving the patient an understanding that, hey, I'm not just going to give you this pill you're gonna be an active participant in your health. I think that's power too. Mm -hmm. that, that's the thing, I, I love people uh, to, to try to create enough value to where they implement these strategies and they get to the other side. Because once they get to the other side, 
they're never going back. Mm -hmm. Now they might get off the wagon a little bit and then they go, oh my gosh, I was feeling so good when I did this. So they get right back on and then eventually they get on and off enough where they're like, I'm tired of feeling this way. So I'm getting back on. My job or our, our job is to do that in the quickest way possible so that they develop that trust like, okay, what they're saying is actually, that can actually work for me. Yeah. And that's a biggie. Yeah. And it's not meant to be disheartening in the sense that they come in and you're like, hey, it's going to be a year to recovery yeah. because the plus side of that is we're not saying, well, you're still going to feel awful for a year and no, then right. magically after 12 months, boom, you're going to have a great day. No, it's, you're going to start feeling good really quickly yeah. if you really do implement some of these things right away and stick to it. And that's what's gonna give you the motivation to keep that's going exactly and keep going right. until you're symptom free. And that's the, that's the uh, I think, objective of the practitioner is to what can I do for this person to make them feel as good as I can in the shortest amount of time? That might be cortisol and testosterone and that's where we start. Mm-hmm. But then we have to work on their gut and their diet and things like that at longer term. Totally, um, applicable mm-hmm. to, to this for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there's a saying also that I have to articulate uh, to patients is that symptoms are often the last thing to show and the first thing to go, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, so just because somebody's like, hey, I'm symptom free, I'm good. No, we have to look at the labs. We have to look at the objective data. We have to make sure that we're looking at everything subjectively and objectively to make sure you're clean and good, mm-hmm. then we can do maintenance. Yes. Then you're good. Yes. But but somebody's symptom free, and what happens is they're like, oh, I stopped doing it. I felt good, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's important because most people will go through that. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, it came back. I'm like, yeah, we didn't fix it. We just band-aided it. And just and the maintenance is such a critical yeah. component because so many people in my life, myself included, at some one point or another, is exactly you feel good again. And so then you go back to doing what you were doing before. And it's like, I love to give the analogy of, you know, the Olympic athlete. They didn't just work really hard to win a gold medal. And now they're going to win a gold medal every single time. They have to keep training, keep pushing. It's a great point. Yeah, the maintenance is is critical. And and when you do a slow process, so, so if I'm working with somebody for six to 12 months, typically we're developing good habits, right? And, and the verbiage, the, when we are talking, the verbiage is about health and health is a long-term goal, right? Not just, oh, I want to get symptom free. Mm. Symptom free is one part of it, but then I'm going to establish health. If we can do it in a slow methodical process, we can develop good habits that stick around for life. Plus we can shift the paradigm. And the paradigm is, okay, at the end of my life, how do I, act, how do I want to look, feel, and act, mm-hmm. right? I want to, I personally, I want to be just like I am today. A lot of energy. I can go on a football, baseball field, and pretty much do whatever I want on there. But that's simply because of the formula that I, I live by. Mm-hmm. And I look at the end and work backwards. So my, my goal is always optimal health. It's not weight loss or a weight you know, number or symptom free or whatever. It's like, okay, I know what it takes, but the only way I've been able to do that is, is learning and creating value. And that's, again, that's the biggest part that I think is, is important is to make sure that we're continually building value in the diet changes that somebody's making. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would say, just do this, you know? And I'm like, well, why? Yeah. You know, I'd always ask why, 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 why? And if I couldn't get a good answer, Mike, it just didn't, it didn't matter as much. Yeah. If I got a good answer where the light bulb went off, no problem. I'll, I'll stick to it. I'll do it. But I needed an explanation. So that's where, 
you know, the education process, I think, in the functional medicine world is critical. Conventional, here, take this, go home. There is no need for education. There's no need for um, participation. But here yeah. it's just a totally different paradigm. So yeah, the absolutely. education is what creates the value. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Dr. Roni, thank you so much. Sure. We're going to have to do some more episodes on some of those specific ones. I think the testosterone specifically yeah. would probably be a really good episode. Yeah, no question. Always happy to help. <laughs>